Welcome to the Qalam Institute podcast. You're listening to Lives of the Prophets by Mufti Hussein Thamani. Imagine spending two weeks, every day, morning and evening, with the Prophets of Allah. That's the vision behind Sirah Intensive. Every year, over a hundred people from all over the world come together to spend two weeks immersed in learning about the life and character of the Messenger of Allah, Muhammad wasallam. Sign up and get more information at sirahintensive.com. That's S-E-E-R-A-H intensive.com. Now miracles, there's so much discussion within them. I'll, I'm just wondering, I want to touch on two more points and I'll close. There are two types of miracles. The first, those that occur at the request of people, and then those that occur without anyone requesting them. Okay, miracles can fall into two categories. An example of miracles occurring at the request of people is like the camel of Salih salam. They requested it, the people of Thamud requested it, the, the camel came forward. An example of a miracle occurring without anyone requesting is like the Prophet wasallam giving the khutbah and the tree crying on the side. You guys remember that narration? The tree's crying there. And Hassan al-Basri, you know, um, so, so then the Prophet ﷺ called the tree and they say the tree came right next to the Prophet and he calmed it down. And the tree was crying because before the Prophet used to lean on the tree and give a khutbah. And now the Prophet just moved a few steps away and was giving the khutbah from the, the mimbar. And the tree became sad that the Prophet took a few steps away from it. Hassan al-Basri used to say that we should learn, to learn, we should learn a lesson from that tree. The Prophet just took a few steps away and the tree started crying. And we haven't gone to the Prophet, and we've been so distant from the Prophet, his lifestyle, his sunnah, and our eyes take no effect at all. Better than us is an inanimate tree that loved the Prophet Okay. Now, when the people request the Messenger of Allah for a miracle, does the miracle always come? Every time someone requests the Prophet for a miracle, does it come? No. No. The Prophets usually don't like miracles. When someone requests them, when some, if the miracle comes on its own without anyone requesting it, demanding it, then the prophets love it. And those happen a lot during the prophet's life. But when people request the miracle, the prophets try to push it off as much as they can. Why is that? It's because when the miracle comes after you've demanded it, now it hasn't come as a gift. It's come to fulfill your demand. And if you do not fulfill your promise after the miracle comes, meaning believing in Allah, then the punishment of Allah will come and you will be wiped out. So the miracle that's demanded, for that miracle to occur usually means this is the last step. Which means the story is going to end right now. So we'll learn this from the other, the other prophets as well. That once they demanded a miracle, the prophets always said, not now, it's better not to, it's better not to, it's better not to. They push it off as much as they can. But if they really ask for it and the prophet then feels this is it, they then make the dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And each time they, before they make the dua, they make the agreement. They fulfill the contract. They say, will you believe? And they say, we will believe. And if they don't believe, following that comes the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now the camel came. From the mountain, it ripped open. And it came large. And it was pregnant just as they had requested. And when it came, it gave birth. According to some narrations, as soon as it came out, it gave birth. And according to other narrations, a few days later, three days later, then it gave birth. So there was a camel and its baby. And the camel was so large, was drinking so much water, and it occupied a full day of drinking, the people became irritated by it. And after asking for the camel, only one or two of them believed first of all. Most of them didn't believe. And then what happened was that they became irritated by the miracle they saw. 
And this is the sad thing. When people become arrogant, no matter how many proofs you present to them, they're not going to. They're not going to accept. So when you realize someone is arrogant, what's the best thing to do? Go home, buy yourself a burger, and have a drink. You're waste, that's going to be more beneficial to you than this is. And everybody knows how harmful burger and a milkshake is, right? Which means this is going to be a lot more harmful. You're wasting your time, you're wasting your effort, you're going to go home with a headache, and you're not going to be happy. When someone is being arrogant, the best thing for you to do is just walk away. And the Quran says, وَإِذَا خَاتَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا When they talk with arrogant or ignorant people, ignorant is jahilun, but you know, a, a, characteristic of, a characteristic of an ignorant person is that they are arrogant as well. قَالُوا سَلَامًا They give salam and they walk by. They don't waste their time there. These people became very uh, frustrated with the camel. And they gathered together and they made a plan that we have to do something about this camel. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them, وَلَا تَمَسُّهَا بِسُوءٍ do not even touch it with an evil intention. This is the miracle of Allah. It's walking. Don't touch it with the evil intention. You saw it as a miracle. They gathered together. They saw the mountain rip open. They saw the camel come out. They saw the camel give birth. And it had all the characteristics they asked for. It had everything. They saw it. And now they reject it. So Salih said, Look, the last thing I'm going to tell you guys, even though you haven't accepted, is don't touch it. Don't do anything. Let it be. But these people, they were so frustrated by this walking camel amongst them because every time the camel walked past them, first of all, it was an inconvenience because of the water situation and because of how large it was and because the other animals ran away from it. But the second thing was, it was a reminder of the oneness of Allah and their parents were wrong. It was a reminder of how wrong they were. And that bothered them more and more and more. So a group of them gathered together and they said, we need to do something about this. The leader of them was a person by the name of Qudar bin Salif. Qudar bin Salif. He is actually referenced by the Prophet Sallallahu in a hadith. The Prophet Sallallahu said in a hadith to, as narrated by Ammar bin Yasir that the worst, the most, the two most wretched people, one of them is the one who killed the camel whose name was Qudar bin Salif, the, um, the, the camel of Salih and the second one is the one who will kill you and the Prophet pointed at Ali He'll be the second most wretched person. So the people have then gathered together and they began to plan. They appointed this Qudar bin Salif to be the leader. He thought about it, he was kind of uh, thinking, yes, no, maybe so, like, I'm not sure. He, but he wanted to do it, but he wasn't convinced. Until what happened was, as Ibn Jirir narrates in his history work, he says that there was a lady by the name of Saduq. What she did was, she came to, um, she was a very beautiful lady, she was from a good lineage. She came to... Um, she came to an, a person by the name of Misra bin Mahraj. And she said to that person, that if you kill the camel, I will present myself to you and you and I can be together. And this person said, oh, that sounds like a good plan. You're a beautiful lady. All I'm going to do is kill a camel. I do that for a living. That shouldn't be too hard, killing another camel. And then what happens is the second person, another lady comes. Her name is Uneza. And she has four daughters. And she says to Qudar bin Salif, the leader of them, she says to this Qudar that if you kill the camel, you can have any of my four daughters that you would like and you can be together. So these two gathered together and after they gathered together, they said, let's make a team of nine because this is a very good big animal. And usually when you're killing or sacrificing or slaughtering a camel, it's done in teams. It's not something you do alone because they're big animals and they're tough to hold down. Even till today when they slaughter like a camel or a cow, it's usually three or four people at it. And this is a big one, so they had a big team together. They gathered seven more people, and all together, how many people were there? 
Allah says in the Quran that there were nine people from that community that gathered together. And the nine of them, they prepared to kill the animal. Um, okay, now what these people did was, one of them came and stabbed the animal, another person came and knocked it down, another person came and he began to slaughter the animal. So what happened to the animal after they slaughtered it? Um, some scholars, they say that what happened was that when they slaughtered the animal, the animal itself died there. And what the people did was they ate from the meat. Not only did they kill the animal that they were told not to touch, but they also feasted on the meat too. The other opinion is that they didn't kill the animal, they, 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 they injured it, but the animal got up and it ran to the top of the mountain and screamed out loud three times in pain. And then after that, it went missing and it was gone. Um, according to a narration, it went inside the mountain and that was the end of that. The other narration is that what actually happened was that they killed the mother, but remember the mother had a, a baby, the child. And the child ran from there. And the child went to the top of the mountain and it screamed three times and then entered into the, uh, into the mountain. And according to the narration of uh, Abdul Razak, who, who narrates from Hassan al-Basri, he says that what happened was that the camel said, the baby camel, after its mother had been killed, it went, it said, Ya Rabbi, Aina Ummi, O my Lord, where is my mother? And then it entered into the mountain and it disappeared. Now there's one thing very interesting that Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi mentions. Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi says that the baby of the mother that was killed, it went into the mountain and it disappeared. Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi says that this animal, this baby that went inside, he says that this will be the same baby that will then emerge from the mountain again before the Day of Judgment and will come as the Dabbatul Ard. You know where the hadith says that amongst the signs of the Day of Judgment, the beast will emerge? You know the beast that will emerge and will talk to people, invite people towards the oneness of Allah, and will, will have the staff of, uh, of Musa alayhi salam, and, and it, there's a description of it in the hadith. So Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi says that this will be the baby of that camel. And it was a miraculous animal, and it will come and emerge again, and it will invite people towards the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now as, when they did this, Salih alayhi salam came to those people, and said to them, you guys really messed up. I told you not to touch it. You killed it. So he said to them, تَمَتَّعُوا فِي دَارِكُمْ ثَلَاثَةَ أَيَّامٍ Go and enjoy yourself for three days. Because after three days, the punishment of Allah is coming. And he said, ذَلِكَ وَعْضٍ غَيْرُ مَكْذُوبٍ This is a promise which is not a lie. Three days left, go. Now why was it three days? The reason is because that animal, when it, when it climbed the mountain, it, how many times did it scream out? Three times. Once, twice, and thrice. And therefore, it screamed out loud three times. Therefore, Salih said to the people that you have three days left. Now during these three days, the people gathered together and they said, what do we do? So they said, you know what, since we've killed a camel, we might as well kill Salih as well. So a group of them made an attempt to come to Salih and kill him. But when they came outside his house, a fear overcame them, which is what we call a ru'ab. A fear and awe overcame their heart, which made them realize that no, you don't touch a prophet. That's like really messed up. So these people, they came back home without touching Salih The punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came, and it came in three phases. The first day, their faces turned yellow. The second day, their faces it turned red. And the third day, their faces turned black. And 
this is an expression of how fearful they were because when Salih السلام, told them مكذوب, that this is a promise which is not a lie, you have three days left, as big as these people were, they realized that they were in trouble. And they began to just deteriorate internally because they realized how big of a mistake they made. And this is interesting because no matter how big, tough and solid you are, no matter how strong you are, every person has an element of fear inside them. And especially when that fear comes as a result of a promise that is not a lie, that's absolute, it's definitely going to happen. That's when you really break down. And these people all broke down because they knew now the punishment was coming from Allah and there was no way to outdo that punishment. The punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came in three forms. These were very strong and tall people. So the first thing that happened was an earthquake hit them. And they all fell off their feet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالُوا يَا صَالِحُ اُتِنَا بِمَا تَعِدُنَا إِن كُنْتَ مِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ فَأَخَذَتْهُمُ الرَّجْفَةِ The rajfa hit them. The rajfa means the zalzala, the tremble. It hit them. And these people, they fell off their feet. فَأَصْبَحُوا فِي دَارِهِمْ جَاثِمِينَ فَتَوَلَّا عَنْهُمْ وَقَالَ يَا قَوْمِ لَقَدْ أَبْلَغْتُكُمْ رِسَالَةَ رَبِّي وَنَصَحْتُ وَأَمَّا ثَمُودُ فَهَدَيْنَاهُمْ فَاسْتَحَبُّ الْعَمَى عَلَى الْهُدَى As for the people of Thamud, we guided them. But they preferred to be blind over guidance. Because they saw the camel. They preferred to be blind even though guidance came to them. فَأَخَذَتْهُمُ الصَّاعِقَةُ الْعَذَابِ الْهُونِ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ The sa'iqa came. The sa'iqa means a loud cry, a thunder. No, sorry. A sa'iqa is like a thunderbolt. Like a, um, a, in Urdu we say bijli, you know, like a lightning. It came from the sky and hit them. So they were lying and then they were hit. And the third punishment that came to them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, A loud cry came, like a, like a scream, which, which just caused such extreme, extreme and excruciating pain that, it, that in itself just destroyed them. And all the people died after the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came. There are some narrations that tell us that there were some people that actually lived through the punishment. One of them tells us that there was a lady who lived through this punishment. Imam Ibn Kathir rahmatullahi alayhi makes reference to this in his Al-Bidayah wa Nihayah. Her name was Kalba. Kalba ibn uh, bint Salaq. She lived through the punishment and the reason why she lived was because when all of this happened, she then, after it all happened, she was sitting down when the punishment happened. She then got up and she lived through it. She went to the nearby city, told them of what happened to her people, and then she died too. It's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept her alive so that the nearby cities would come to know of what happened to these people so they wouldn't make a similar mistake. And the second narration is an interesting one that you can find actually in a, a various collections. Abdul Razak narrates from Ma'mar who says that Ismail bin Umayyah said that indeed the Prophet sallallahu passed by a particular grave. And he asked the companions, أَتَذَرُونَ مَنْ هَذَا He asked, do you know who this person is? قَالُوا اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ عَالَمُ The companions said, we have no idea. Allah and the Messenger know who this person is. So the Prophet said, قَالَ هَذَا قَبْرُ أَبِي رِغَال This is the grave of Abu Rigal. رَجُلٌ مِّن ثَمُود He was a person from Thamud. And when the punishment of Allah came, at the time he was in a sanctuary. And because he was in a sanctuary, the punishment did not... It didn't touch him. However, فَمَنَعُهُ and So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected him from the punishment. فَلَمَّا خَرَجَ أَصَابَهُ مَا أَصَابَ قَوْمَهُ But when he entered that sanctuary, the punishment that came to his people then came upon him. 
فَدُفِنَ هَا هُنَا And he was buried right here. وَدُفِنَ مَعَهُ غُصْنٌ مِّن ذَهَبٍ And buried along with him was a branch made of gold. فَنَزَرَ الْقَوْمُ And a group of people then came and they dug it out and they found the, um, the, the branch of gold as was mentioned by the Prophet Wasallam. Now to close off, um, after this punishment takes place, Salih migrates to um, the Ard al-Muqaddas, the Blessed Land, near the Sham area, the Upper Sham area, and he passes away and is also buried there. I'm going to close off by quoting one hadith, and this is a very famous hadith, that when the, when the Muslims were uh, marching towards the Battle of Tabuk, the Battle of Tabuk was towards the end of the Prophet's life. And this was one of the great battles. And it, had the battle occurred, it would have been the biggest battle that happened during the Prophet's life. It was against the Romans. And this was the battle where the Prophet said to the companions, that whatever you have, bring it now. And you remember the narration that Abu Bakr brought everything, and Omar brought half of it, and then Uthman an, kept giving until the Prophet said that Uthman is guaranteed paradise. You guys remember that narration? We always hear this in our fundraisers. And then the famous narration of the three companions who were supposed to participate, but they felt they left behind. They didn't join, they fell behind. And then when the Prophet came back, he asked them what happened, and then they explained, the Messenger of Allah, we didn't have a valid excuse. We just, laziness came and we forgot to go. We stayed behind. We thought we would join you the next day. And we thought, okay, you know what? I have a fast horse, I'll catch up two days from now. And they said, you know what? Three days from now we'll catch up. But then three days happened, we realized that the army was gone so far ahead that there was no catching up now. So we just said, we'll stay here. So, and the Quran makes reference to this, the three people who were left behind. Ka'ab, Hilal, and um, there's one more. Makkah, that's the acronym. There's, I, I'm forgetting the first one. Meme is for something, and then Ka'ab, and then Hilal. That's the name of the three companions. The acronym is Makkah. Khair, anyway, so these three companions, they stayed behind, and then, and you know that that battle was also the battle of Tabuk, so that you know. What happened was that when the Muslims arrived in Tabuk, the Romans were a no-show. They didn't show up. And that was the greatest victory for the Muslims because this was a sign globally that the Muslims are on the map. We're globally on the map now. The Romans were no show against us, which is a huge thing. So when the Muslims were on the ila Tabuk, when the Prophet وسلم, and the companions were going towards Tabuk in the ninth year, they passed by the homes of Thamud. The Prophet and the Sahaba they saw the homes of Thamud, big mountains. Houses carved in them. When the people then said to the Prophet ﷺ, Messenger of Allah, we like to drink water. And the wells were in the same area where the people of Thamud lived. So the Prophet ﷺ said, no, do not drink from here. They traveled onwards and they came to a place where there were other wells and he said, drink from here. And in one narration, Umar says that the Prophet said to us that while you pass by these homes of Thamud, make sure, illa an takunu bakin, make sure that you are crying while you're passing by. Because, fa'illam takunu bakin, alayhim. And if you're not crying, then don't even go near there, go around there, don't go anywhere near that area. And yusibakum mithla ma asabahum. Because I fear that what happened to them may end up happening to you. This is where the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came. And the narrations of this, uh, on this are, uh, you can find them in the collections of hadith. The Prophet prohibited the companions from going to places where the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes. And um, not only the punishment, but also places where sin is happening. 
You know, if someone, if, if, if you have to go to a place where there's sin happening, it's better for you not to go there. If there's a place where you, where you want to go eat and there's a club there, people are dancing and partying inside there, and you want to go there because they have a nice club sandwich, should you go and have a club sandwich there? You're not going to die if you don't have a club sandwich there. Inshallah, you won't. Go somewhere else. Go to the subway next door. I'm not saying subway is a good place to go, but anywhere, you know. Where, any place that you choose to go, go there and you don't have to go to a haram place where haram is happening and, uh, and, and, and to give business to that place. And not only that, but you know, leaving yourself open for accusation and then going to a place where Allah's anger comes down. When we would go to the store, I remember I was with our sheikh once. I was Sheikh Yusuf Mutalasa. We were, I took him for shopping once. And while I was shopping, I was pushing his cart. We were at the grocery store together. He injured his shoulders. I was helping him. And uh, he asked me where a particular product was. And I said, Sheikh, is this way. And I was taking him down the aisle. He said, don't go there. I kind of freaked out. I was like, what's going on? I turned around and said, Gawa, Sheikh, what happened? Why did you say don't go there? He said, that's the aisle that they sell wine in. I said, I wasn't going to buy any wine. Come on, you know that. He said, that's not the point. The point is that that's a place where Allah's anger is always coming down. If you have to buy something, don't go through that aisle. Go through the other aisle. But don't go through that aisle. That aisle is not a good place to go through. And when I heard this, I thought to myself, Subhanallah. Right? This is the basara, if you wish to say, the sight of the heart of certain people. That they dislike even going to places where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being disobeyed. It's not a fiqhi issue whether it's halal or haram. Is it halal to walk through that aisle from a fiqhi standpoint? From a legal standpoint, is it halal to walk through that aisle? Of course it is. There's nothing wrong with walking through that aisle. You can walk through there. But is it a good thing to walk through? No. Don't you guys know the story of Juraj that Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi narrates in his Adab al-Mufrad? That, you know, he was made to walk by women of prostitution. And he was disgraced by that. He didn't even want to go near that place. Because, you know, that, he, he didn't engage in anything. But he didn't even want to, to walk past that place. Don't even walk past that place. So, when it comes to places of sin, the places of Allah's punishment, the places of wrong, these are places where we do not even go nearby. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all proper understanding. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to learn lessons from the story of Salih alayhi salam and the people of Thamud. And may Allah protect us from arrogance and ignorance and from disobeying him and transgression. May Allah protect us from his punishment from the sky and from the earth, us and our children and our progeny until the day of judgment. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahabihi wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.